Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, as always, I am joined on the phone by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan. We've got to shout out our sponsor, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene, Oregon. You can always shop online at RadarToys.com and get free shipping in the U.S. You can save 10% using the code BATFANPOD, B-A-T-F-A-N-P-O-D, and believe the store is now open. At the very least, you can get curbside pickup. I heard that straight from the owner's mouth. Today, we're going to talk about one of our very favorite animated features. Doesn't even feature Hamela Conroy. This is Under the Red Hood. Did everyone see my Jack Nicholson figure? Yes. You can show it to me now. Oh, I'll get it. Do you have it locked away? <laughs> yeah, it's in my display case right here. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, all these have tons of accessories and shit. That's nice. Uh, he's got like the megaphone. Junior Birdman. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> um, he's got like a stack of actual bills, like miniature dollar bills from like, I'm giving away free money. That's cool. They come with like six different hands and all this extra shit. Got the like three foot. Uh oh. He's got the like three foot gun and shit. <laughs> this thing costs $600. Dogs? Yeah, on your recommendation. I read the okay, first. Yeah. I read zero through three or four, I think. Man, I, in my quest to, to just bounce around and reread a lot of stuff, the, that was the next thing on my list, and I just finished it today. And I, it's only at book 10, and I couldn't remember if it had finished. I'd only ever read it one other time. And, uh, ah, and one, that book is freaking awesome. And then it, it, it totally didn't end. I, could, I couldn't remember if the way that like 10 comes around, you got a lot of these big, big battles going on. I could totally see if this, if regardless, if it ended in like another couple books, maybe like one or two more books, but I just couldn't recall if it actually ended at 10. Turns out it totally didn't, but it's on like a schedule worse than Berserks or something. I, I don't know if he even intends to finish it. I'm pretty sure the last book came out. Bring it back to it later. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the last book came out like 10 years ago. Like, well, cool. Regardless, it's awesome to look at because the story is interesting and the drawings are great, but no finale so far. No closure, yeah. No. So it's like All-Star Batman and Robin? Yeah, except this is actually awesome. Oh. I've been watching Hunter x Hunter just because somebody said it was like amazing. Uh Uh-huh. So right? I... 30 episodes in or something? (laughs) <laughs> I'm like watching the newest One Piece movie last night and Amber's like you know this stuff is on Hulu and I was like one yes <laughs> and uh, but she I'm watching the movie and I think whatever she's just telling me about the series I was like yeah I know that but I'm never gonna watch that show and she's like why I'm like well there's 93 books and <laughs> there's like gotta be 900 episodes like there's no that'll be the rest of my life you won't yeah. see me anymore <laughs> many many hundreds well, it's, so with hunter x hunter it's standard anime so it's like each episode's 23 minutes but there's uh-huh. a two or three minute intro and then there's like a little like there's filler here and there so it's 18 to 20 minutes each and i've just thrown it on like when i'm washing dishes or 
doing things that I could kind of be away from. Yeah. Is the quality good? Yeah, it's all right. The one thing that I never really wanted to pick it up was just that the drawings are like so cartoonish. Mm-hmm. All the character art is so simple. It is. I mean, it just kind of feels like Naruto or One Piece or Dragon Ball or anything like that. I don't yeah. get why people thought it was so special or think it's so special. Uh, but it's kind of entertaining, so I'm just waiting for it to pop off. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's some of these comics are kind of like what we've talked about before, where the whole time I'm envisioning them done by somebody else, like, oh, man, you really came up with some cool characters, but your execution is actually kind of poopy. I wish that somebody else was drawing this. Mm-hmm. They print stuff because it fits like a certain criteria. You know, it's got these kind of characters, these kind of powers and stuff like that. This sort of adventure. Yeah. So I could totally see it fitting that category. But, you know, anything that I read has to have good drawings. Like even even if the writing and the story itself was kind of a failing, as long as I'm visually interested, then that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. But I can't go the other way, though. I can go yeah, the other way. Better. <laughs> always. Yeah, yeah. And same to be clear, when we're talking about shonen manga or anime, that's the kind of thing that wouldn't have any sort of allusions to failed abortions or anything like that. Oh. Like death of the family. Gotcha. <laughs> well, on the note of abortions, or I guess uh, failed abortions, dead children that lived under the Red Hood. I'm pretty excited about this one, to be honest. I kind of um, patted myself on the back after we did the fucking the last one, the death in the family, and I was like, oh shit, you know, it'd be perfect to go with this one, because we wanted to dig back into animation. I do like that they tie together. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, Under the Red Hood, 2010, directed by Brandon Vietti, written by Judd Winnick, starring Bruce Greenwood as Batman, a very good Batman, Jensen Ackles as Jason Todd, spoiler alert, (laughs) John Here, De- Sammy Warmhands. John <laughs> John DiMaggio Joker. Neil Patrick Harris Nightwing. Jason Isaacs Raz Al Ghul. Raish Al Ghul, whatever. Raish Al Ghul. <laughs> Raz <laughs> And Wade Williams as Black Mask. Who Wade Williams is also in Prison Break, which I talked about seven or eight episodes ago. Yeah, it's funny, like people don't realize this, but we've recorded these so quickly. That, like, right now, we're doing episode 14 and 15, but, like, we just did Batman Forever, I feel like, a month ago. That was number 10. Yeah. I have these written down as 13 and 14. Well, yeah, but there was that episode that you guys weren't on. Oh, yeah. That's cool. In the middle there. In the middle, there was Birds of Prey. 13 and 14 of the good ones, anyways. You motherfucker. I try to keep this show alive, and this is... <laughs> the Red Hood is voiced by some Jensen something or other. Amber's been watching Supernatural recently, and she recognized his name. Nice. Oh. Get out of our fucking uh, show, Amber. <laughs> Suck that factoid. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the uh, opening sequence, the reimagined death in the family with... Ra's al Ghul telling the story. The murder plays out very much the same. Batman being late to the party plays out the same, but we have this whole other uh, context that it's happening There's no in. mother subplot 
Yeah, no, mommy. Yeah, he's just alone in that room. It's in Bosnia or something. They're, they're like, this is uh, too dark if his mom's watching him die, right? <laughs> cool, he smokes a cigarette. I actually think this is one of the great ones that... I mean, it's kind of one of the films that kicked off the DC animated universe as we know it today, you know? Like, they had done Gotham Knight around, like, maybe 2008. And, you know, there were a couple things around that time. I think Batman, Superman, Apocalypse or something. But this is one of the earlier ones. And I, I think they really just nailed the tone because it's got all of the realism and all that shit without having to be like fuck batman you know like we're rated r you know it's not grim dark it's uh there's murder and there's like threat and consequence but yeah it's not like that it's not all-star batman or like yeah so gritty and so realistic to be unrealistic like this is exactly the kind of batman tone that i want yeah yeah this stuff kicks ass is this actually how the story goes? Is this like Red Hood's actual origin story? It's similar. It's in the. It's a little weirder. So in the, which I, I think this does better than the comic, because in the comic it's like it's two thousand six or two thousand eight or somewhere in that range, and the thing that brings Jason brings Jason Todd back to life is whatever big universe altering thing has happened recently. Oh, um, so like in the grave. The reality changing wave happens and he comes back to life in the coffin. Uh, but he's like, because it was all weird, he's all messed up in the head. And then Tali Al Ghul brings him to the Lazarus pit and that like brings him back fully. Oh. I think it's, it's better in the, in the movie to have it just be it's, it's simpler. It doesn't have any of that baggage attached to it. So he did legit die. He just got brought back in a different way. Yeah. Huh. Uh, a more comic booky way. This is one of the ones, uh, me and Ev were talking about this before you got on the call, but like, you know, sometimes when you watch something and you really like it and then you read the book and you're like, oh, wow, this is even better. And if you go the other way, sometimes it's fucked up, you know, and and you're like, oh, but, you know, the the book was better than this movie. I can't quite get into it the same. This one was, I love the movie so much that it kept me from reading the book because I, I loved it so much I didn't want it to be ruined for me, you know? Because, <laughs> like, sometimes that happens. You feel different about it later, you know? E- yeah. Even some of my favorite, like, Hollywood movies, like uh, like Walk the Line about Johnny Cash, you know? I love that movie. And then, like, years later, I read this great Johnny Cash book, and I'm like, wait, so all, none of that shit was... And they just mixed these people <laughs> together, like... Oh, and I watch it again, and it's like not the same to me, you know. So like, he never I, was a ping pong champion. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I I just love this movie so much. I, for whatever reason, that kept me from reading the book. And have uh, you ever read the book? No, I haven't to this day. It's it, it's good. I mean, a lot of the the main beats are there. It's just that that's the one biggest difference and biggest weakness. I think is that the movie doesn't have to be tied down by bigger DC universe stuff. Yeah. It just, it works better this way that they just switch the bodies out or, I think it's really cool. Just in the, the opening credits of this movie, you see that they put a lot of money into this. You know, it, it looks like a real movie. You know, some of the DC animated stuff more recently looks kind of choppy and, you know, just a little bit cheap to me. And, uh, I feel like this shit looked great and you get that awesome 
shot coming out of it of like the GC police blimp. And, you know, I had, cause it's right on the heels of the opening credits. I, I saw Alan Burnett from the animated series listed as a, a producer. And then they come to that a few seconds later. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe a little nod to him, you know, but I just thought like right out of the gate, it just, it feels good. It's like when we watched phantasm, it's like, Oh, this feels like a real movie. Yeah, this movie is is quality for sure. The other ones don't seem to have; they're lacking in quite a few ways. I'm, until we watched the Ninja Turtle one, this was, I mean, still is. This is uh, aside from Phantasm, those would be like my top two animated films, and now add Ninja Turtles into it. But this one is is legit, and I don't tend to feel like that about American animation very often. It's crazy too because it's one of the ones that doesn't have. Hamill and Conroy as these characters and yet they're played so true to the character that I'm sure it could be elevated even more with them but like mm-hmm. you you don't find yourself missing them I find myself getting sucked right in well yeah. I like it because it, it lets this stand on its own more so it doesn't even though it's part of the DC animated production universe it's not quite part of like the DC animated universe that the, the cartoon was or any of the other like cartoons that fit in that world yeah and or like john dimaggio for example i like his joker because as i've complained before i don't really like edgelord jokers yeah which is a character that's really easy for that to happen where he's so fucking hardcore and insane that he talks about killing his mom and like just it's so ridiculous where this one he for a lot of the movie he's quiet and he's subdued but he still feels like the Joker. He's still loopy when it fits the character. It kind of it reminds me a little bit of the Heath Ledger Joker, where it's just more subdued than the Mark Hamill one, which is not necessarily better or worse. It's a preference thing, but it still feels true to the character. And the same with Batman. Even though it's not Kevin Conroy, it still feels like a version of Batman that's true. I think Joker's that's interesting, also though. Super badass in this, too. I'd rather have him talk less. Like the scene with Black Mask and pulling the gun and capping all those dudes in the room, like that is so fucking cool. And your character to me is diminished. I'd rather have somebody always be about the action than about all the dialogue. Like, I don't need to hear you say all all the things that you're going to do. Just do stuff. I don't really care. And while it is good when he's busting jokes and laughing and being the Joker and stuff, don't talk about all this crazy shit. Just do crazy shit. It doesn't matter to me. And I think it's cool that this movie doesn't rely on Conroy or Hamill or something to be better. It's awesome by itself, man. And I think, I don't know if, if it would even be better if those other guys were included in it. I think it's rad by itself. And it almost makes me wonder, um, I can't think of any examples, but it, it, it would be easy to have that be like the hook for people. Yeah. Like it's got Kevin Con- yeah. Con- oh. it's got Mark Hamill. So yeah. like maybe we don't have to try as hard on these other things because it's got all the, the things that'll check off the nostalgia boxes for people like us. See our next yep. episode for that reference. <laughs> the killing joke. I think it's interesting you say that about the uh I don't like the super edgy over the top joker, but like this one. I mean, we just talked about one of the best scenes is him like breaking the bottle and cutting throats and shooting all these people and like, well, not these guys. These guys are kind of dead, you know. Like, <laughs> but that's but 
that's what I'm talking about, walking the line of what the character is. So that scene starts with him just casually eating potato chips. Yeah. And ignoring everything he says, he kills everyone in the room. He could kill the last two people, but he doesn't, both because that would undermine what he's trying to do, but also because he's just weird and unpredictable. But my idea of like an edgelord joker, again, to throw uh, all-star Batman under the bus, <laughs> is like the idea of like... How could you? He, <laughs> he, so say he kills all those people in that room, and then he says something more like... Uh, and why shouldn't I blow your fucking brains out right now? Who's writing that Joker? No one's saying that. That's what I feel like the All-Star would be. But that's, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, it's it's not... Joker should be over the top, but it's how he's over the top. I'm just putting you on the spot. I, one of my other favorite Joker moments in this is in when he's got Black Mask and them tied up right after that. And they're on the bridge. You know, he's standing yeah. on the top of that armored car or whatever. And he's pouring gasoline on them while he's like giving this speech or whatever, and then just, like, sparking the match. It is kind of like Heath with the trying to blow up the hospital and the button won't <laughs> press, you know? He's trying to spark the match and just burn all these people alive, but it's so nonchalant. It's, like, not even the focus of what he's talking about. Yeah. Like, that's great Joker shit, you know? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good example of what Joker should be. Yeah. As you say, the way he's treating that. He says a joke earlier in the movie when talking about Red Hood, and how he used—he was the original Red Hood, or one of the original Red Hoods, and he was more classy, Mater D, yeah. less motorcycle fetish. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like that he uses the exact same joke later. Yeah, <laughs> he does like it the, on the bridge. Yeah, that's like something your dad would do, or just like a person you know who's somebody who, like, you're with them and they say a joke, and maybe it's funny, maybe it's hard or not, but they say it, but then, like, throughout the day, they keep saying the same joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay. it'll, it'll land. It's gonna yeah. land. They're waiting for that <laughs> laugh. Or, or you just remember who you didn't say it to, you know? Like, not every, not every joke is in the moment. Like, no, I can repeat this. I think that's a thing that a, a girlfriend or, like, a spouse would have to sit through every time you go, uh, this fucking story again, you know? Mentally check out. Back to violence, though. The, the, red, <laughs> the red Hood's intro here, he's strong-arming the mob, I guess, again, kind of like Ledger's Joker in the beginning of Dark Knight. They're all in that back room with the, the television's plan, you know. I love this scene. He throws a fucking bag of severed heads on the table and then machine guns the bag of heads to, <laughs> to scare them away. And it's like, this You're is... You're an Ezra Joker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, You're, this is all your top lieutenants. I did this in two hours, you know, like... I, I just think that's such a, a fucking badass introduction to this character. Yeah, I was, it immediately lets you know what he's all about. I was watching the movie with closed captions on, and he tosses the bag, and they open the bag, and it's got the heads in it, and it's got the two dudes, and one guy barfs. Yeah. And in the captions, it says, like, Chi-Chi throws up or something. So I was like... <laughs> Chi-Chi? <laughs> why? He doesn't even have to have a nickname. And why is it Chi-Chi? They never say it. They must have got the full script for the closed captions. Yeah, There's an extra super. 30 minutes that's just Chi-Chi's story. <laughs> he didn't make it, yeah, he seemed like a relatable character. Super badass. Tragic backstory. Chi-Chi. He's throwing up and having flashbacks like, I should have never got into this business. Not more heads again! <laughs> He's kind of bragging, I feel like, when he's like, I harvested these heads in 30 minutes. We're like, oh, 30 minutes. It was two hours. Take everybody else. 
It took him two hours. Which is significantly less impressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that? That's stupid. That's hardly a brag at all. I could do it way faster. <laughs> well, I think they were all in different places, though. Oh, you know, I kind of took it like from start to finish the cutting off of the heads. No. <laughs> oh, not, no, you're not the like, Edgelord Joker. Oh, God. Not like, no, I just, I just misinterpreted. I didn't know that it was like the whole errand, including drive time and stuff. I, I just thought it was like, <laughs> like yeah, really the whole errand. Um, I get, I get caught up on the fact that in Death in the Family and in this, obviously, that Robin even survives being beaten with a crowbar. And then when you go back and you're like watching the thing, it, it's it's way easier in a cartoon because you can like count the hits. Like when somebody's in a gunfight and you count the shots and you're like, you should be empty. That's a revolver. Yeah. But, you know, he beats him like some stupid amount of times. And I don't know if anybody knows what like metal does to a human body or something, but it is not, you know, the, he's not drawn in a way that portrays the savagery of what would be that beating or the fact that he even lives through that. Like you would be I mean, hard crippled. You, you couldn't, you couldn't though. I mean, like you're speaking from someone who's literally been hit by a car and knows the damage. Right. But like you couldn't, and not for fun, <laughs> not, not like evil presents jackass at home, you know? No, but yeah, it's like, it's pretty cool guys. You should probably try it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't think you could. If you compare this to like the last episode, we reviewed the book and everything is done off screen, right? Because that's what yeah. they could get away with, with the comics code. And on this one, it's the next step up from that. You're seeing a lot more. There's still a lot done in shadow that's implied, but like, you know, it has emotional weight to it. It feels real. Then if you were to take it further, like you mentioned counting the revolver, that made me think of Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, you know, then that would be the full extreme of like just abject realism that is disturbing to watch, you know, Uh, and that's a different goal. Well, this is somewhat realistic compared to other superhero comics. This is still in the fantastic line. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And the idea that that's the same, like when they're jumping off roofs or jumping from super high points and they land on their feet, they don't even roll or anything like that. I mean, even if you were very strong, that would break your legs or break your ankles. <laughs> but it's the idea that they are, that's part of what it is to be a superhero in these universes is that even if you're just a person, they are so skilled and in such good physical condition that they can do things and withstand things that other people can't. But then I think also <laughs> is that he probably wouldn't have survived the beating with the crowbar uh, if they didn't have like magical pits that could bring people back to life. And then yeah. like the, the explosion that kills him, he probably would have died anyway. And the explosion was just like an extra insult to the whole thing. Yeah, that's overkill. Well, yeah, yeah he but he has a collapsed lung like halfway but, through the beating. So I don't, yeah, but so often though, so often in these kind of stories though, the hero is in peril, right? And the villain leaves them for dead to make their getaway and someone shows up just in time and they get saved and i think that the bomb was just a great way of putting a i guess closure on the moment this was not meant to be open-ended there's there's not going to be a person like just walking out of there the fans called in and voted they yeah. wanted him dead. Yeah. Beat him with a crowbar and blow like, him up. Just no Are ambiguity. You sure you want both? Yes. Both. <laughs> both. I, uh, 
also, and again, it, it probably just is that they can't show these things, but like, have you guys ever unfortunately seen rollerblading or skateboarding videos or whatever where people like break their forearms and stuff? Yeah. That's like, yeah. yeah, that's like exactly what this crowbar stuff would be like. And then you have this super iconic image, Batman going through the rubble, holding Jason's body, you know, like limp in his arms. But if this was any kind of realistic, like he'd have like a cape chunk or like a like a Peter Pan shoe or something, you know, because like there wouldn't there wouldn't even be a body to hold. Uh, yeah, I think that's a tone thing because I mean, what you're describing there—that's like that makes me think of Garth Ennis comic books. I think Garth Ennis did the pro, but he also did the boys, which have superheroes in them. But like those are comics that, even though they are superhero comics, people get hit in the head with a piece of metal. And like it shows, yeah. It I think it's just like a, it. it's a tonal thing, even though this has more serious and adult themes to keep the visuals at least a little totally safe. Yeah. So yeah. when you watch it as a kid, you could be emotionally scarred, but not like <laughs> visually scarred. Yeah. yeah. So your mom doesn't walk in the room and go, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, uh, just like, I'm watching Batman. It's the boy wonder. <laughs> he's dead. He's fucking dead, mom. Let's see how he's going to get out of this. I voted to blow him up and have him with a crowbar. Okay, I'm going to go back into my my story notes here. There's a great shot when Batman steps on the goon's fingers while he's reaching for the gun. And it reminds me, uh, I think it was right after the, the severed heads sequence. It reminds me of the beginning of Phantasm when the guy is under the table and he reaches out for the gun and Batman just steps on the table. You know, it was like one of those tiny little aside motions that was just so, so good. Like every little detail in the action in these sequences is just fucking great. I love that fight with a or whatever that robot is. Yeah. Uh, because at first I was super pumped on their teamwork, like how well choreographed this stuff was. And yeah. they're like, synchronized double kicking this dude and stuff like yes cool this is so awesome like this is what that's fucking teamwork (laughs) that's you know like that was perfect to me and then by the time i got to the end of the fight i was like oh shit these guys are human but it's so rare that we get to see them fight non-humans and that's kind of batman's whole thing yeah you know like must show restraint because i'm trying not to kill this dude but by the end of it they're like this robot anyways is getting like dismembered and the, the putty bombs on the eyeballs and stuff. Yep. Like you don't get to do that in humans. So I, all of a sudden, by the time I got to the end, I was super pumped on the fact that I was getting to see Batman. If Batman got to do whatever he wanted to do all the time, whatever he's fully capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Like get it. Like kill this robot. <laughs> yeah. I hate robots. Yeah. That was definitely like Affleck, rage roid batman for sure and so cool at the end like you talk about him getting dismembered you know they like basically decapitate the thing and then like instead of blood coming out it's like an oil slick <laughs> yeah. like i thought that was so good like i i kind of forgot that that whole amazo sequence was in there because it'd been a while since i watched it and at first it's kind of like okay guys we need another action sequence to ramp up the first act you know but then like Everything about it is so good. Like you said, it's just this awesome fucking team up that's balls to the fucking wall. I think the only thing that's silly about it is just the fact that the the robot is this big thing with orange skin 
but I like it because I think it's a it's yeah. A all robots should be universe, silver and chrome. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I just obviously he, he he would stand out in a crowd. He is uh, eight and a half to twelve feet tall. I'm uh, sure it was made. It was designed by an alcoholic in the seventies. It's like <laughs> some like if Oompa Loompas were like at their max potential or something like that. If I could actually be big. <laughs> Wait, no. If if Oompa Loompas were X Men Sentinels. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or it's, just the, it's, it's a Terminator robot, is what he is. I mean, he has <laughs> the half exposed eye and the like, the flesh slowly revealing the robot underneath. Yeah, I love robot flesh. <clears throat> so does um, Joker. The, the, the Put it in the pocket. Work, the teamwork of that scene, I love because not just that it's another excellent choreographed action scene that these animated films have but in a story that's primarily about batman and robin yeah it's different robins showing these two guys who this is basically a guy and one of his sons and they have a weird relationship because they're both weirdos because of their life and what they do they're not that kind of weird relationship um i don't know but that even when they're apart like batman's in the middle of fighting amazo and nightwing shows up and they just immediately start fighting together like there's no mm-hmm. communication they yep. just they are so well trained and they've worked together so many times that they work as a team without even thinking about it even if they're kind of there's a little bit of antagonism back and forth during it and i think that's great showing his relationship with robin and with the different robins over the course of this film that's a that's a really nice starting point to yeah. show you i mean what that relationship has done for this other robin and yeah i don't what, think what that this movie would be the same as it was without having Dick's character in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool that they clearly have a rapport. They just instantly click on the battlefield. Yeah. It made me think of that episode in the original Evangelion where Shinji and, and Asuka train like to the classical music to dual fight. That's like when they were doing that jump and double kick. That's what it reminded me of. Everything's in sync. Or that, you yeah. know, it's like when they cut the cable from they were launched into the air and like Nightwing immediately grabs onto Batman because he knows that Batman's gonna yeah. do so. Just like all their moves are so... It's second nature. Yeah. yeah. It, it they're anticipating. Feel, yeah, not just because they're both superheroes but because they've worked together and one of them trained the other one. Well, and that's yeah. one of the great things too is they show them together like that with that chemistry, that sort of unspoken like you just know by instinct what to do right and then they show you the chase with red hood and he's cutting the line and he's countering all the moves and so in a way it's kind of already informed you of what that means before they figure it out you know because you're seeing a a, a parallel to that relationship it was like oh this guy's good batman's like yeah he's all right it's okay, I guess. Yeah. not really my friend. We hardly hang anymore. <laughs> Dude, the fucking sequence with the Batwing car chase was so good. <laughs> that made me think about the uh, kind of the, the unshown thing in these stories uh, or just what the real version of all this stuff would be. He pulls the convertible top off with his cable thing yeah. and never shows it getting like jettisoned or what happens to the to the br- debris or anything it landed on a family yeah but they just kept going no it'd be it's like cool. that it'd be like that one time i was driving home after a late show and i was going down beltline freeway and there was nobody out there and it was pitch black and i'm driving i'm halfway paying attention because i'm almost home it's autopilot you know 
And there was a fucking couch in the middle of the street, uh, fully across my lane. It it would be it'd be like that shit where some guy is just driving down that street in Gotham later, and you know it's the middle of the night because it was already a nighttime sequence, I believe. You know, some guy he's probably fiddling with the radio or something, and he looks up and like, oh fuck, and has to spin out into a fire hydrant. Yeah, in a more comedic film, that guy would keep showing up. And things would keep falling on his back. <laughs> oh, his hot dog stand or whatever. It's like, wah, wah. <laughs> Okay, so to continue tying in, and this is why I was kind of uh, patting myself on the back for this choice here, because I'm really happy with these episodes that are tying together. We've got, obviously, the Jason Todd through line from A Death in the Family, but then Batman also... Robin, you know, the Robin... Batman relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but turtles in time. The, <laughs> no, the good one was I had forgotten that they literally do Killing Joke flashbacks into the original Red Hood shit. I forgot that they yeah. even touched on that. And our next episode will be Killing Joke, where we go all the way into that. But I love that they actually did that. I don't know when you read the comic. Do you remember? Did they go all the way into that stuff as well? You know, I don't recall. I reread it not that long ago. I don't know if it was done the way it is in the film, but I, I think that element was there because that's that's a really neat thing about the character that the Red Hood is a version of the Joker. Yeah, that's where that moniker comes from, and that's that's another one where depending on like if you're reading Year Zero or the more modern Batman stuff, Joker as Red Hood was like a nutball but he was already joker basically yeah where in like killing joke era he is not and that's more like why he becomes a joker but i, I just i like i like how that ties in and i think it must have been there at least in some way because again the whole idea of him being the red hood yeah. comes from the joker do you think that he's doing that because the red hood mantra has that like inherent anonymity or is he doing that as like kind of a stab at the dude who he wants to get back at anyways i think it's both because that's the gimmick of the red hood character that, that was not an option <laughs> i think i'm gonna ignore what you said is what i'm uh, one or the other man <laughs> no but it's because like, he the kind of the whole point of the story is leading up to a conflict with and about the joker and but that that is kind of what the Red Hood was. Is it's it was different people, and it was to hide your face and be anonymous. Yeah. And again, it's used differently in different Joker backstories. But uh, I think it's both. I think it's a, a dig at the Joker, but also like I was created kind of in the same way. Yep. If you look at it like in this story, like an an, an accident or a, a mistake or a weakness on Batman's part turned somebody into this mistake for him. Which, which we've mistakes. seen as Two-Face, we've seen as Joker, having that relationship with Batman. It's really interesting to kind of turn that around and have this character basically use the Joker's likeness. You know, it's almost like uh, we got later into um, after Rise of the Batman, there was one called The Victim Syndicate. And all of these villains were people who were collateral damage of Batman's fights at some point you know and i guess kind of like the whole batman versus superman as fallout from man of steel sort of thing you know is that like the consequences of this what does it do to those people you know moving on i, I think it's just a, another great version of that type of character batman's war on crime not only cost him one of his sons yeah but more than that turned him into 
somebody dangerous. I mean, kind of a villain. And if you think about so th- this movie starts with him with Red Hood delivering a bunch of severed heads in a bag to people. Yeah. Which like that's kind of the opposite of the way Batman does things. I mean, that's David Fincher <laughs> seven right there. Yeah, 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 which is Batman is not a David Fincher character. No. Uh, Red Hood is like that. But once he finds out who he is, he's still not at the point where he's like, I'm going to take you down or I'm taking you in. He's like, just tell me what happened. How can we fix this? How can we work through it? Which, again, shows you the depth of their relationship. Yeah. This guy just murdered a bunch of people, even though they're, they're, they're bad people, because Red Hood is kind of more like the Punisher and that he's only killing people who, by our modern morals, you'd probably be kind of okay with them being killed, but not by Batman's standards. Yeah. But that despite that, he's still wants to work with him and help him and know what's going on he's not just like you got to go to jail you got to go to arkham that's where you belong well and to skip ahead a little bit the great reveal of this movie because i mean on the surface all of those things are good but then when you peel it back and they show you that he survived he wanted bruce to think he died and have to live with that i mean that's the ultimate betrayal really and that was just a choice to let him feel that way for a decade or something, you know? And the kind of the idea that was, was it the particulars of what happened to him? Is that what made him this way? Or was he already this way? I guess it's like a Breaking Bad thing, but like, is did these things just bring out in him what he already was? The whole reason Batman trained him is because he was afraid he would become someone like that. Yeah, it's true. And you see the extra violent tendencies and stuff in that while he's Robin and I mean we even get some good like because we see Robin flashbacks in like different ages and different suits and stuff but we even get the like classic 80s look and he's just really enjoying fucking these guys up Uh, there was one of the other scenes where he takes down the last guy who had pulled a gun on him and he's like, you broke his collarbone or some shit. He's like, yeah, well, what are we taking these guys to the doctor's office now or whatever? You know, I can't remember what his comeback was. You know, it's like, what, you want me to put down a pillow for him? But but he's like, I needed information from that motherfucker. You know, so we see like he, he loved the thrill. He loved the, the fight. Yeah, yeah. Which makes him the perfect candidate for this later incarnation. I got more. I'm trying to let it happen natural. I didn't take as many notes this time. I just want to let it. That's that's uh, me and Ev on the next episode. But yeah. I wrote a lot for this one. I like <laughs> I like when uh, Batman goes to Joker and he's throwing him around like a rag doll, and he fucking like hits him. And as he's falling, Batman catches him by his fucking throat, and Joker's like. Are you gonna do it this time, or just put me in another body cast for six months? I was like, oh god. And Batman's like, oh, it's not fun beating you. <laughs> you, you like it? Oh. <laughs> I, th- I think Joker's probably in a BDSM. Uh, among other things. <laughs> oh yeah, big time. I like in the when they're having the whole Jason survived. Here's the whole scoop from Raz, and then they gotta go. Frankenstein dig up his non-body and stuff. Yeah. And, and they, 
let's, I mean, we're guessing how, how long it's been since this dude has been dead, but I would venture a guess that he would not look so hot when yeah. you unearth him. And uh, he's fine, look. Yeah, yeah. So he, he looks pristine, which makes sense because he's artificial, but Alfred, he makes some comments he's about like, oh, he's like, still at rest. Yeah, yeah, he's like, nope, it's all good, looks pretty normal to me, like, he would look like a dead thing, man, like a really dead thing. <laughs> this is another one that I, I, I don't know, I'm trying to save a pro and a con for later that I haven't said. You don't have to, just, just whatever. No, I got, I got, I like, and this is another thing that the animated films do that live action movies cannot get away from, and I think it's a, it's that blockbuster syndrome especially when they sink, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into these films. Every story has to be like the fate of the city is on the line or the fate of the planet is on the line or the fate of everything or some monster from another dimension is going to come in and do it. And that this, we, we have a story that is really, really small and, and really personal. Tight. It's personal. And, yeah. And other than the Joker, I guess other than the Joker killing the people on the bridge and the idea of Black Mask being in the city at all, the, the tension and the drama comes from Batman's relationship with Red Hood, with Robin. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like the movie ends and Joker's beaten, and, and it's like, no, he's still there, and he's going to come back later, and Black Mask is still there, and he's going to come back later, and crime is still a problem in the city, and drugs are still a problem. It's not the point of the story at all, but it's still a really good Batman story without having to be, oh, we've got to find the kryptonite to kill evil Superman before he destroys everything. Just the movies never, even the ones I really like, have a hard time getting away from that super epic grand scale. You're which, right, because the kind of war over the city for crime families and whatnot is sort of just a subplot, really. I mean, anything that kind of touches on the whole Gotham gangster, long Halloween sort of shit is something I'm all about. But again, the fact that they make it so personal the stakes feel even higher than if it was hundreds of people are at stake, you know. And we yes. also get a lot of casualties in this movie who are mobsters. So like you said, again, like, you know, <laughs> we, we see really violent shit, whether it's a mezzo or hired goons. And, you know, no one's feeling too bad about it because it's not like they wouldn't show you doing those things to civilians on the street you know like no. oh black mask robbed a bank and decapitated this <laughs> bank teller you know like we're not seeing that but even all the deaths and stuff like even batman's not too broken up about it yeah obviously he's not down for red hood killing all these people and that's the, the whole idea of the story but he's just way more concerned with helping jason or fixing that or figuring out what the problem was that scene when they team up against those uh, kind of super powered hitmen I forget what they're called, but that scene was Something fucking for. money. Oh my god, it was so good. Yeah, especially the way it ends, because you get this really nice team up with them doing their cool moves, and then Red Hood blows, blows up that, that guy's fucking guy's head. Like, he, he, he like tases his mask into exploding his head. You uh -huh. get that discretion shot where the camera pans up, and you just see the blood explode on a wall. Yeah, It's like they had this really nice moment, and he just... Reminded you that it's like no, no, they're at odds. Yeah, we're not buds. I'm not one I of love, you. This is I not love the that team. Shot where the 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 big robot guy throws the car at Batman, and he like 
dives through the window. That yes. is so cool. God, I, I giggled this time. I've seen it before, and I still giggled. Oh, man. Like... There's, a, there's a couple, like, really good shots. Oh, a lot of this looks super awesome to me, but there's a, a couple things. Uh... Dude, the action shot earlier when they're running rooftops and shit, it's like, uh, like a James Bond sort of thing, you know? And Red Hood jumps through a glass window and they're like hot on his tail right and he throws up the gas canister the propane tank or whatever and shoots it while he's fallen and like Uh. and batman doesn't even see it's there yet as he's approaching the the window like that's such a fucking great action shot man there's the one early on in like the chemical factory and there's the like there's the explosion that launches the thing at like the underside of the walkway that then shoots him like through the ceiling of the building. I'm like, man, and like all the angles that they picked, like all this stuff looks so cool. Red Hood using the rocket launcher on Black Mass office. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. He managed to get down the hallway and then the door just slams right above his head. Like cuts into the wall. Yeah. One of my huge pros on this would be how snide the black masks assistant lady is she's so cool how is she immune like he's fucking up all the other goons in the room and she's just like yes he got away again and he's like how and punching everyone around her like are they the only reason she survived that scene was just because she had the good sense to follow him as he's running yeah he wasn't like come on let's go (laughs) she got the lay of the land and realized oh i should probably run away too like if that Uh, guy's running i'm getting the fuck out of (laughs) here I think it's one of two things, like either she's actually the superior mastermind in that gang and he's just kind of like playing a front, she's she's actually really pulling the strings, or it's sort of like this relationship where the dude has been so belittled, you know, by, <laughs> by a significant other or something that he just, it's just like a lot of shame defeat, so, you know, everything she says is like super cutting and personal and so he just... <laughs> He's never going to make a move. He's never going to no. punch her. Like, yeah, he punches anyone near. I think yeah, his self-esteem is so low. He would never even <laughs> that's, the, that's the real story. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you had it the first time because if we've ever seen uh, the, a temperament for middle management, it's Black Mask in this movie. <laughs> uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah. Another one of those great action shots was right before that big scene with the the four superpowered motherfuckers it's just the mobsters and they've got that that guy that they've beaten up and pulled out of his club and he's leaning up against that car in the parking lot and they're like we're sending your boss a message and he holds up the molotov and jason shoots the molotov while the guy's still holding it oh my god like that's some fucking brutal shit yeah, yeah. So some of the stuff that they're not showing in this is pretty violent that that being near the top of the list i think and it just it it uh, is so effective yeah again it shows you the stakes it shows you what kind of story this is what what they're going to do and what's going to happen to people but in leaving it to your imagination it has more impact than like the g whiz of a quentin tarantino movie where you see everything and it's like intense and you know it gets a feel out of you but it's not the same thing at all and, uh-huh. and honestly, yeah, like I don't, I don't always care for that, you know. Like I, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then every time I get to the end, I'm like, Good God, I forgot how <laughs> fucked this is. Wow, that is. I'm not gonna watch this for a while, and then I'll forget, and then I'll go put it on again, you know. I wanna watch this, or it's like, uh, not to spoil it, but Hateful Eight 
kind of the same. It's yeah, like yeah. A period piece with great dialogue and great sets, and then oh yeah, yeah. it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's like I know Django is really fucked up, so I don't really watch that one very often at all. You know, I've seen it like twice, but then you think about like oh man, some quippy brad pitt dialogue and some margot robbie like i'm gonna check this one out and then it's like oh it's too much i haven't seen any of those <laughs> <laughs> well there's no violence in them I all right no, i'm gonna yeah, start a, I'm, I'm gonna start a third podcast where we just show tarantino movies to evan <laughs> that's cool no i've seen some of them was it kill bill and then Django? those are both his I mean, is the order? Yeah, I think so. Yes, because he, oh. he didn't do Inglorious Bastards, right? That was he did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, so that's in between. Oh, so he did okay, Inglorious Bastards, yeah. and he did Death Proof before that. Okay, then I've seen all those. The Inglorious Bastards was the last one that I saw. That's probably the best one, honestly. Jackie Brown is the best one. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I mean, it's. I love it. I love it. I love it. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is up there, too. You were talking about Walk the Line earlier. Have you seen Walk Hard with John C. Riley? You know, what's funny is I was, like, such... I mean, I say was, but I am such a diehard Johnny Cash fan, and, like, I feel personal connection to his music. Like, it's so, like, vulnerable and, like, real. That I was so mad when that movie got made. I was like, fuck uh. that shit. And so I didn't watch it for, like, 15 years. I saw it, like, in recent past and it was really it was really funny um, so awesome. and, yeah. and honestly the whole johnny cash part of it is really only a portion of it anyways because yeah. it ends up just being like music through the decades yeah. but it, it but it sort of starts with a johnny cash I, I love music films like about any kind of montage of people recording and then like the chart uh fades <laughs> in and fades out. that's my favorite thing <laughs> so that, that movie has all of the music movie Stick. You know, I've made it a lot of records and I've never seen that chart thing happen. How do they do that? <laughs> you know, when you're doing really well, you'll see it. It'll just kind of... Okay, okay. You'll know it when it happens, for sure. Me and Gabe used to bust out lines from that movie on each other all the time. It's like kind of a, a rare bonding thing. Yeah, dude, he told me to watch that so many times and I was like, nah, fuck that. They can't make fun of Cash. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, like, once I watched that, I was like, oh, this is just taking the piss out of all biopics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the soundtrack is great, also. Yeah, John C. Riley's a good singer. Yeah. Um, okay, what else we got before we get in? I got so many things here. Keep it going, bro. Keep it going. Okay, here's something. Using... Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just very interesting. Like, it's something that <laughs> pops up sometimes where the Joker gets used by another character, right? A lot of times we'll see... He goes to Arkham and talks to, to him and like, so what's what's going on? And you get the Hannibal Lecter thing we talked about before, you know, like, what do you make of this? Or are you behind this or whatever, right? This movie uses him twice because in the flashback, we have Ra's al Ghul to keep Batman off of his trail from fucking up his plans. He hires Joker to intervene, right? We see he took it too far. That's how all this shit started. To the point that in this universe, Razo goes like, "Well, I never want to fight Batman again because I feel so bad yeah. that I'm the one that causes death that I'm just never going to do that." Which is again not like mainstream comics, but this is its own thing. Yeah. But even though this its own thing, that still felt like that character that he would respond to that in that way. Yeah. To it, be involved in something so dishonorable is like I just 
I gotta cut him some slack. Yeah, he's like he's yeah, he's ashamed that he brought himself down to that level to work with the Joker. And what it cost Batman. Yeah. Even if yeah. they're antagonists, he respects him. I mean, he wanted him to be his protege. Well, yeah, but it's also like a failure on his end because he underestimated the depravity of Joker and what, you know, like what that means to hire this person, you know? And, and he, he talked about the cost of stuff because whatever his goal was, it, it could only encompass like yeah well these were you know these casualties that was called for but but like what happened with the joker though that was you know totally unnecessary that shit is fucked up yo yeah (laughs) damn dog (laughs) but so we have that flashback sequence where Roz used the joker in that way and then we have grown jason as red hood who is squeezing black mask for no other reason, we find out, then he's going to get desperate enough to turn to the Joker to try to fight back, right? And, I mean, I guess you don't know that someone's going to do that necessarily, but... These are Batman characters. They exactly. They're the smart. The characters. But the fact that he turned that same idea and used it himself just like oh well it, when people get this desperate to fight oh. back against a batman type who's going to stop him oh i wonder if he'd do the same thing and so he I fucking do the same thing. punishes yeah, yeah. punishes black mask and everyone he works with and this whole fucking ruse basically just to get joker out for this glorious confrontation i mean it's fucking awesome yeah I mean, he's there to take out black guy or black mask. What? I told black. you. I knew it. Those <laughs> <laughs> black goons. Black masks. Goons. <laughs> uh, I hate you. <laughs> so in one way, he's doing his work for him. He's, you know, he's killing all these dudes you're, anyways. You're doing my he, work for me right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what he wanted to do anyway. So he's he's doing some of his work for him, but the thought that he was banking on him just totally flipping it, you know, he was like counting on it to go wrong because that was part of his plan. And then how glorious is it to see Joker get the same treatment? That he gave to him, you know, he's getting yeah. the fucking crowbar back at it. But he's still the Joker, so like, it's it's still like I the mean, interrogation scene in the Dark Knight, you know, where he's still getting something out of it, right? The only moment where he actually seems to put some fear into him mm-hmm. is when Red Hood, now demasked, is having the confrontation with Batman, and Joker says something like snide or remarking on the past, and it's like, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna shoot you in the lap before yeah. I kill you. Like that actually quiets him down a little bit, but he's still the Joker about it. Well, not my weenie. <laughs> but this movie does what Phantasm did not, right? When shit got crazy at the end of that movie, Joker has kind of an about face, and he's like, okay, bitch, you're going to kill us all. You know, like, this is too far, right? We actually see that little bit of panic in him. But in, in this one, I love their having just this brutal fight between Bruce and Jason and Joker's loving it. Batman finally says, you know, not a day goes by that I don't think about doing it, you know, in terms of like killing Joker, 
you know? You're subjecting him to the things he's subjected everyone else to. Yeah. Yeah, and Joker's like, oh, so you do think about me, you know? And then, like, <laughs> and and he stops Jason from pulling the trigger. Then Jason's or like, Jason's I, about to kill him out of anger. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Jason's like, I got the bomb, right? And so Batman goes to stop the bomb. Joker intervenes and says, no, this is better. Like, yeah. don't you just love a happy ending? You know, like that, that is even better to me than the end of Phantasm because that is so perfect Joker of like, this is all I ever need is yeah, he, this he went fight. From, like he was a captive. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to do it. Once he realizes who Red Hood is, what's yep. happening in the situation, what it's doing to Batman, he's like, oh, wait, I changed my mind. Yeah. This is the best thing. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool because you have, you have this character or any character who seemingly is like very content to do all this insane stuff. Just You'd think that that was their whole thing. Like, nope, I want to live as long as possible just so I can keep pulling off all this crazy crap and killing people. But in Joker's weird head, the ideal scenario is like him and his buddy rivals like all biting the dust all at the same time. That'd well, be the best well because he doesn't care about his own life necessarily. He's, uh, you know, on this quest to just fuck with Batman or in some versions to kill him, right? Yeah, and so pictures of Joker. Some Jokers yeah. are like don't punch me in the face, it hurts. I'll tell you what you want to know. Yeah. Which but, is not this one, and that's not what I think of the character. But I mean, there's some that just want to fuck with him, and there's some that want to actually kill Batman. Regardless of which one this is, the fact that Jason was the one setting the bomb, right, mm-hmm. to, to bring it full circle, mm-hmm. even if he's the one directly doing this violence, Joker caused him to be this way and so it's like he's like oh i still i put all of us together this is fucking amazing you know like like i didn't even realize that you know me beating this child was gonna have such a great outcome (laughs) yeah and he doesn't that's like his his reason to live he doesn't want to obviously in this scenario there's no way that like batman would die and him also not die if a bomb is going off yeah but but that's that's what keeps him going day in and day out. He doesn't want to live a life that doesn't include Batman and he just as soon die at the same time as him. I mean, I feel the same with that, man. Like, I can't... <laughs> you don't want to live without Batman. This is... <laughs> I mean, life is rough right now. This is one of the only things keeping me optimistic. Man, this is Joker is so relatable. I'm just kidding. I'm not optimistic. But I, it does keep... It, it does keep me a little uh, distracted. I'll put it that way. It's very clear that nobody should go into business with this guy. Yeah. The Joker? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many people keep making the same mistake over and over and over. Once again, the Dark Knight, fucking Maroney, you know? When they see what happens to Dent, even Maroney's like, Jesus Christ, dude, I'm sorry. (laughs) Damn, dog. He's like, I know I was going to have you shot in front of me, but um, I wouldn't burn your face off. I Too thought much. this was the doesn't like to get punched in the face Joker. I was like, wrong, <laughs> wrong universe, man. This is the hang me with his own intestines Joker. That's yeah. too much. I didn't know what kind of story I was in. <laughs> My bad. I wanted to specifically comment on the last frame of the movie. We have this flashback with Jason's first day as Robin in the suit in the Batcave, and it's got sort of a Damien sort of vibe to it, where, you know, he's got that cocky little, you know, pops out, and Batman's like, 
you would have scared me if I hadn't, you know, heard you creep behind the the desk five minutes I'm ago. Masturbating behind the computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like when the the very last shot, he like hops on top of the Batmobile or something, and he's like, "This is the best day of my life," and then just cut to black. Like, I swear to God, this is some of the best Batman writing I've ever yeah. seen. I mean, you that, know? that shows you what this whole film is about. And I got I got like chills this time when I watched it. And I think I've seen it two other times. And the same thing every time with that scene. I forgot about it. This yeah, me too. Until it came up, because it's just it's so. Can you hear Riley? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I was pausing for dramatic effect. Yeah, there's a pack of Rottweilers in my living room. <laughs> it's um. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. Yeah, smother the dog who. Uh... Him in the yard, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just put him. Just put him in the fridge like the Joker. Then he'll come out and be on the Murray Franklin show. <laughs> it is what this movie is all about. Because again, you have a bunch of not just Batman villains, but like DC villains. Yeah. And they're fighting, but none of them are the point of the story. The point of the story is Batman's relationship with his son. Yeah. Who we thought was dead. And he, it's his fault. What happened to him is his fault. And he owns that. But that even when the story is resolved, you find out who Red Hood is. Joker's put back in jail. Nobody died other than a bunch of criminals. Even when that's all resolved and Alfred says the thing about, like, do you want me to take the costume down yeah. after everything that's happened? And Batman's like, why would we do that? Nothing is different. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Showing where he's at, but then, like you're saying, that last shot of, it's just so, like, for him to be Robin, becoming Robin really was, like, the best thing in his life. Yeah. Not just being Robin, but having this father figure who trained him and invested in him that was the best thing in his life. That was the best day of his life. But also, we just watched an hour and a half of what came of it. Yeah. It's like uh -huh. the fucking worst thing in his life. Uh -huh. It's just, it's a interesting twist or inversion on Batman, on his own story. And just you explaining it, it's interesting thinking about so much of this is Bruce's guilt and him being at fault and Jason trying to stick it to him for this. But you also have, like I just said about Joker loving all this shit happening once he realizes that it's Jason and, oh, shit, I created this guy. And you also have Roz with the guilt of putting Joker in this equation in the first place and causing it to happen. So you have a lot of people who are at fault for all of the violence in this movie. It's, it's really interesting. It shows the cost on many levels, not just in these two people who are the focus of the story. And the ending too is kind of simultaneously positive and somber. Yeah. And because Batman is just a weird universe for even the concepts. Of, I mean, it's hard to imagine that like children even live in Gotham city, that, <laughs> you know, it's not childhood innocence and it's, it's Noel. That's childhood in Gotham City. Yeah, exactly. So it's so it's weird to even picture that being even being a concept. And so to to end like that is kind of this positive flashback because maybe it's partially just a it's just a good memory on Bruce's part, but also this reminder of the tragedy also. Granted he Jason had aged from that time to when he actually passed away, but 
Those so are, he's only like 16 or something. It wasn't that old. Yeah, but those are like, those are Batman's, those are his last, you know, years with him. The, those are his last memories until until death, then this gap, and then this new dude shows up. And, and what kind of transformation has a person gone through in that amount of time? And it, As Jason said to him in that final conflict, where like, Batman is at least because of the way he thinks of his guilt or the way he deals with it is like, Oh, you're 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 very angry because I let you die. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and like, Jason no. Todd is like, no, I don't. That happened. I mean, that was part of this thing that we signed up for, that I signed up for, and it was yeah, yeah. it was worth it to me to get to be Robin, to get to be your son. That was something I knew that was a risk. Uh, I'm doing all this is because you didn't stop the person who did this. You didn't yeah. punish them. You didn't yeah. end them from being able to do this ever again. That's good writing. Which is because yeah, that, that's the whole Batman thing. At least modern Batman is that he doesn't kill. Not Batman from the 40s who shoots people, but the modern idea of what Batman is is he doesn't kill because the costs of that, in his mind, are worse. Mm. Even letting the Joker letting the Joker live is better than becoming a murderer. And on some and, level, this movie kind of answers that for the audience because the audience has debated this shit for years, you know. And Jason as Red Hood is kind of actually saying. Yeah, he probably should have made that one exception. <laughs> well, because Red Hood is basically Batman. Yeah. And he, he didn't make an exception for the Joker. He, he made an exception for like a bunch of people he's cool with killing. Yeah. And even Batman is sort of okay with it. Like, obviously, he's not okay with it and he wants to stop him. But again, he's not like saying to Jason, he's not saying, well, I'm going to put you away. I'm going to lock you up forever. The entire time, he's still just trying to work through it and figure it out and help him. Despite yeah. the fact that he's killed a bunch of people. So, Ev said something about that last scene that really popped out in my head because if you think about the optimism in, in the very last shot with this is the best day of my life, right? You know, that is how we felt. Most of us got into this shit when we were kids, right? That's how we feel watching this, dressing up like it, thinking that, you know, how crazy that would be, right? And, you know, if you watch on the DVD of this, they have this whole uh, history of the Robin character. And it's mostly about Dick Grayson and introducing him to be uh, just someone so Batman wasn't always just inner monologue, you know? Um, And then also, it's the kids who are reading it. It's their way into the story. Like, oh, I don't see myself as Batman, this fucking, you know, rich ninja man, but I could, you know... (laughs) But, like, I could be this kid, you know? And uh, they, they talk about that, like, in the... I recently watched the commentary on uh, the animated series uh, Robin's Reckoning. And they, you know, there's just a lot of Robin that was to put the viewer, the younger viewer, into the story. And so, by that logic, I mean, the end of that movie shows what we all felt when we were little thinking about ourselves in these stories and projecting, you know, how great it would be to live in this horrible, horrible world. Yeah. Yeah. When we would, when we would dress up for Halloween or whatever it was and, and imagine and, and play in the, in the yard and play with our figures and try to, Oh man, like this, these are our heroes. This is the life, you know, it's just kind of, to me, it, it resonates even deeper because most of us have that kind of history with it 
and then it shows like, yeah, you are real glad that you are a fucking computer analyst and don't uh, do that. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> not a vigilante child soldier. Yeah. yeah. What you don't know is Batman kidnaps you and makes you eat rats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, like being a barista I, I, ain't that bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. To me, kind of what you're saying too is just that they there's not a lot of that childish sentiment found in this material you know and so it forces you to be like oh man I, i'm this kid in tight standing on top of a car it's a freaking awesome car not just a yeah car. exactly you know so just to i mean it's hard as an adult now to even imagine the thoughts and feelings of a, of a kid now or imagining a time where we even felt like those things and additionally part of what makes all this stuff super tragic to me obviously jason's death but the fact that batman like really needed a buddy and he's kind of like he's like a dad who has a daughter and then he gets really softened up by yeah he's so happy in those flashbacks yeah like yeah he he needed it oh he's he's already the rugged man yeah he just needed you know he needed a he needed a friend and you know he needed a buddy to go through the obviously he needed a partner but i can't help but think that Robin was was a positive presence in his life, and Batman doesn't even have that anymore. All the other guys drifted away for you know whatever reason. Because they became you know Dick Grayson became an adult and he wanted to do exactly. Something. So his his story is especially sad because he died. Everybody else is just still around in a, in a different format. But also from Batman's perspective, he he just hangs out with this old guy all the time <laughs> and. Uh, you know that was probably a good thing for him, and and Batman's story is sad, and he doesn't even have that anymore. It's, well, I like it's the way true they because talk about it in this too, because there's different Batman treatments, and also like Batman parodies and things like that. Which All Star Batman and Robin could be a little bit of a parody or satire. <laughs> Deal with like how not just how ridiculous the concept is, because it's it's so hard for people to get away from that with superheroes and Batman. I was like, to be like, oh, well, I'm an adult and I'm reading the story about a man who dresses up and punches people. But on top of that, a guy who then recruits children into the war. <laughs> yeah. Into that lifestyle, into that insane lifestyle. But in this, how Batman comments, he's like that he thought Jason really needed it. Yeah. Because yeah. in this city with this life, what he would become without that, he would become a villain of some sort. Yeah. Is it not? He was like a mentor. He he yeah. thought that he was being a positive thing in the boy's life also. Yeah, even though it was such an extreme life to bring him into, in this city with what he'd gone through, also what he was capable of, because to be so, that he he, uh, he meets him stealing the tires on the Batmobile, mm-hmm. to be that skilled and resilient in such a terrible place could bring out the worst in someone. Especially so, when you think about Bruce turned out the way that he did, you know, on one side of the war on crime mostly because of still having his resources. He had Alfred as a support system and all this wealth. Yeah. All this wealth and good uh, school and, and access to anything that he could ever need. And so he sees someone who's left in the same position and has none of those things. Who's going to go into the system. And it's like, well, like you said, I'm seeing the alternative where this is probably going to go. Uh, what what if we can make a difference you know and what you were saying ev about it gives him something else in his life 
It's true because it is part of his war on the criminals in Gotham City, but without the Robin element, that is his whole life, and it is all-consuming. And so, Other than every now and then when he meets a hot woman, and he's like, maybe I should give it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Selena, Andrea, fucking... <laughs> Any hot woman. Vicky. <laughs> Any smart, hot woman. He's like, well, why am I Batman? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, totally. Well, I mean, if it was Vicky from All Star Batman and Robin, wouldn't you too? Let me go ask Jim Lee. I gotta go talk to Jim Lee. For a while. <laughs> uh, so, we should probably get to the the things here. Is there anything we left out for pros? Mm, nope, I don't think so. I I would just double down by saying it's it's true to all the characters. It ties in. Several storylines that we already know and love, but it also makes it its own version. You know, sometimes there's some revisionist history and you're like, ah, but why they, you know, and everything they did in this added more depth and just made it greater. You know, great action, great casting, and a very satisfying ending. The character redesigns are all good. I also really appreciate one thing that these DC movies do in particular is that their their line art on the character animation is I think that it's partially just to tie it back to the animated series being the inception of all of this stuff yeah. and just being kind of like a graduated version of that but I also think that it's partially utilitarian they don't have to they don't draw like more than they need to and but I also appreciate that they only include what they need to and that that the character designs end up being like pretty bare bones. There's not a lot of like shading on wrinkles. It's just a line for a wrinkle and stuff. And it, it probably makes the work easier for them, but I also like that they just don't they don't do more than they need to. I don't have a thoughtful analysis like that, but I I, th- I I think this one looks great. Again, I I, I think that some of them look uh, look fine, but they don't move well. If that makes sense, and yeah. whatever they're doing on this one, just it it felt great. Whether they're having dialogue or they're moving quickly through the city, you know, wh- whatever they're doing is fluid and it works great functional you know fluid and functional the same thing i find myself commenting on on a lot of these batman things we've looked at but uh this the size and scale of gotham comes across greatness and again something that doesn't always come through is what it is to be a human who can run and jump around in a city like that Uh this conveys that a lot sometimes I, i that's i don't really get that from like how gee whiz ridiculous it is for someone to do that stuff and this i definitely get that of grappling from building to building chasing someone through through buildings over buildings yeah he's putting in work yeah yeah there's there's tons of those side of building uh chase scenes in this yeah or that when uh red hood in their in their fight so when they're fighting on the cathedral rooftop that has nice giant statues of dudes which we all like yeah obviously and also he, he cuts off the utility belt so batman is chasing red hood through the buildings and he has no gear whatsoever so it's like if he slips, if he falls, yeah. he's just fucked. I mean, that's even though it's such a tiny thing, I felt that in that moment, even though I knew what was going to happen because I've seen this before. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's just he is in such danger chasing him right now, and he still does it. Yeah, I like that. At some point, they're both disarmed from their gadgets and have to just fight it out. Yeah, I appreciate the the kind of fight that comes from 
not just to incredibly skilled fighters, but also the kind that comes from people who have a rapport or like know each other's tricks and stuff. Uh, obviously you have the whole like cable cutting thing and that ends up being part of his leading him to figuring out who this character is. But the thought that you could be so fast and so, so quick thinking to like simultaneously like, Oh, the thing's heading my way and I'm dodging it already or I'm cutting the thing already. Or, you know, these, these people are humans, but they're, but they're near superhuman in their, in their reaction time. In, in their experience level. Well, and that's the challenge of doing any kind of superhero thing, whether it's a comic book or animated or movie, is riding that line. So whatever the limits of the character are supposed to be, you have to respect that at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you you there's no tension. You start to, like, if Batman can literally do anything and it never seems like anything phases him, what are you supposed to be afraid of? Yeah, that's like Superman, you know? It's hard. Yeah. A good Superman stories are always more about, like, putting him in challenging situations, not physically, but something that requires him to make a choice. Like morally. Yeah. Yeah. Or some kind of gimmick where it's like, if he does a thing, Lois is going to die. Like if you do this, the consequence is Lois dies and you can't be super fast over here because you're not going to fix this thing. Yeah. We're bad to get to have him be a human. And in those fights with Red Hood, I think it's worth remembering or considering that Red Hood's game the entire time is to get him to that apartment. Yeah. So even though they're having that fight, he's still has a goal and there's someplace he's leading him to so he's not just he's he's not just fighting him he's disarming him and trying to get him to go somewhere all the while not losing yeah but he well, still loses you... when they get in the bathroom <laughs> what what happens in the bathroom oh he just not like Oops. that but they just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's such a bad uh, uh, no just when they they really get one-on-one and i think it's more batman getting in his head a little bit too when he really just gets the upper hand in that fight and Ends up putting him through the bathroom wall. Yeah, but even that was like they had to get there anyway. So maybe that was part of Red Hood's plan. Is to get his head thrown through. <laughs> no, the wall. yeah, that was strategic. I've been watching uh, "F is for Family" that Bill Burr Netflix cartoon. <laughs> That's his catchphrase, you know, like, or oh, so help me God, I will put you through that fucking wall. <laughs> One thing that I think that the that is specifically good about the choreography in these fights is how much like the ice choreography street fights they are yeah the swing set stuff and the (laughs) no the ice skate choreography oh no that's not there's no way that this is better than that (laughs) the everything is uh not brutal but everything is like with the fight in the bathroom, like, where are you going to go? This is a four-by-four four room, you yeah. know, must must slam head into wall, must grab broken tile. Like, all of it is, it's very realistic in that way because sometimes you got these fights, not so much in Batman, you know, but like, oh, they, you know, punch each other's fists and they collide in midair and stuff, and, and it just doesn't seem very realistic, whereas this is like, yep, yeah, whatever, you know, kick them in the knees, you know, uh, fist to the jaw, whatever it takes. Well, I mean, yeah, if you, if you the think way about... The tenor of that fight changes once they get into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not scripting it and choreographing it the same way they were when they were on an open rooftop or a parking lot. They're taking all that into account. Well, and some of these are like the Batman versus Superman fight, right? When mm. they are punching the shit out of each other, using every gadget, swinging him through, and they're basically knocking through this wall and knocking through this floor and going into... And so the scenery keeps changing. They're moving through all this shit. A lot of the fights with Red Hood are like that in that they are uh, 
covering a lot of ground. And like you said, leading into this position, that's what they're doing. And then they make it very small, very intimate when it comes to a head at the end. And I think that's really effective. Yeah. It's like the Wes Anderson movie, uh, you know, where he does like the, the, the cuts that travel through like multiple bisected rooms. So you're seeing into like a room at a time. That's what these <laughs> fight scenes are like. It's true. Now I kind of want to watch a Wes Anderson Batman movie. Uh, oh, oh, man, that would be the best. <laughs> Starring Adam Scott as Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Bill Murray. Speak- Bill Murray as Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were talking earlier about Superman, and it made me for a second think that Superman could just be like a three-panel comic of him just punching stuff all the time. Like, <laughs> yep, that's all we got. This is the character that we made. <laughs> yeah, Superman, a problem, third panel, and punching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like everyone, the first one is just him like shaking hands with some new super-powered alien and then bam, that's it. Or you could uh, you then, could adapt it though. You could make it like, you know, the, the world is in peril and then the second one is like him going to a lab and just punching coronavirus. <laughs> in a test tube and then like the third one is just like you know him standing with both fists on his hips and his elbows extended and he's getting a medal like the end of star wars or something Uh, uh, you were talking about him um you know he's gotta he's gotta solve a problem and i was picturing him at the optometrist like picturing you know like getting (laughs) new glasses how does that even work for Clark Kent to get new glasses? I don't think I don't. I they're think those dummies. are. They're fake. Yeah, he, he just buys the, the, the kind that like uh, Walgreens will wait. sell. Well, yeah, that like waiters wear to get more tips. They're just is that a thing? Problems, but it just makes people give you more money. Is that it's a just thing? The frames. Oh yeah, it's like a uh, faking an accent. Really? It makes you having glasses makes you seem vulnerable or smart or something like that. But huh? Yeah, when I was a waiter, I was always like wee wee and stuff. I made so much money. <laughs> Uh, I I saw somebody post on uh, Instagram on a Batman fan page that was like before and after from like all the roles in the movies. You have Selena Kyle, Michelle Pfeiffer with, you know, the disheveled hair and the glasses and then her in the cat suit. And you have Pamela Isley, Uma Thurman, you know, disheveled with the glasses. And then, you know, and then the the sexy suit, right? And uh, you've got like all these different versions of the... uh, actresses that had the before with the glasses on and it's such like a fucking 80s 90s you know rom-com sort of thing but wouldn't you love to see just for once the like normal looking quote-unquote you know girl that has no fucking spectacles on and her after is like i look badass in these glasses you know? it was like uh oh harleen uh quinzel was the other one uh from suicide squad they had margo in the glasses and the blue shirt and the lab coat and then cuts to her in the makeup and shit without the glasses i'm like i want to see this reversed someday i used to have that looking at the um being someone who's worn glasses for a very long time. Yeah. Looking Nerd. At the, the ads for glasses. And like, wow, those people look really, really good in those glasses. Yeah. And then realizing it's because they're, they're, they're models. Like supermodels. Yeah. You take the glasses off, they still look really good. <laughs> 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 it's not the glasses. Yeah. It took me far longer than I want to admit to realize that. <laughs> have, you eat, have you eaten a lot of Carl's Jr. in your life or like <laughs> Calvin Klein? <laughs> Okay. (laughs) So I just had the most minuscule cons for this movie. And 
there's two things. One was the exposition from the tied up goons leading into the Amazo sequence. <laughs> He's like, that's Nightwing. He's the first Robin. I'm like, that, I mean. I like it because it's so ridiculous. And so just for like the people who's like, who is that? It just doesn't fit the tone of anything. Like those guys were on Wikipedia right before that. <laughs> like, I mean, given five minutes, you'll figure it out. I'm sure, just based on their relationship and how they talk to each other. I don't know. And then the other thing was just again the most minor thing ever, but visually, Black Mask's tree trunk neck is so weird. It makes his head look tiny. I it's- like it. It looks like he's roid raging the whole time. <laughs> it looks like he takes steroids and he's just his neck is popping constant, or he, or he's just like that pumped up all the time. The dude cannot come down. He looks like the villain in the mask when he gets the mask. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Super neck and then like the mask. What was his name? Plastered on Dorian or something. <laughs> something yeah, like yeah. You're right. That's that's all I got for cons. That's it. I have one, and it's really just. I have fourteen. Um. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been saying a lot of positive things about this, but I'm actually going to poop on it for a second. <laughs> One thing I didn't like was just this, the ending shot, the bullet getting fired at Batman. The thought that he's a human and dodges this bullet is incomprehensible. It's like a bullet travels so quickly that if fired from a couple feet away from you, it hits you like instantly. The moment it was shot. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, like trigger pull, hit you already so he'd either have to be spinning already but then and that would be more believable but the way that they convey it is bullet floating through midair and <laughs> he he's, he's chill yeah yeah he's chilling for a second he's like mm, not time yet not time yet yep got it and haven't and you, you seen the matrix man it's, well yeah because it's not just that it's not just that that he conceivably it's impossible for you to move out of the way of a bullet it's impossible in the sense that no one shoots and then you do it, but it yeah. could have happened in such a way that like he just timed his movement where he had moved before it. But that's the key is that he rotates faster than the bullet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. If you were if you were diving as the trigger got pulled and then you dodged it, that's cool. But the fact that he's chilling for for a second when it would take it long. Uh, it would be there faster than that. And then he still spins out of the way somehow is uh, not very believable. I'm so indoctrinated by movies that it didn't even register as something weird. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing is that Batman is a human and that's what makes him, you know, one of the things that makes him dope. And this is very non-human. Yeah, that's just a little too far over the line. Again, yeah. the, the... You're the, skipping the, ahead the to Ninja. <laughs> the, the heights that they get not that from, good. from is already like non-human yeah but that to me that kind of sits on the other side of the line the safe side where you believe just because they're so fit and so skilled that they yeah. can handle it sure and maybe it's a visual thing like the joker's skin where maybe it's really not that high but because it's animated they can exaggerate it in ways sure i've seen plenty of parkour videos where these people are jumping around and doing these things and and while easily broken the human body is also pretty durable too so i can believe some of those things but i've never seen a person <laughs> dodge a bullet i've watched some parkour videos too and i've seen some bullet dodging so <laughs> much bullet dodging yeah look batman can dodge a bullet he can fuck for three hours he can <laughs> fucking he can outsmart anybody you throw at him okay i mean 
But when the Joker is gonna light those people on fire on the bridge, yeah. and the Batwing comes around, I was just thinking about how that was like the Batwing's money shot when it's yeah. just dropping its, <laughs> dropping its, <laughs> its payload on those people. Like, ah! But more like, ah. it was. It was sort of like it's sort of like the end of Ghostbusters when uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man just turns to goop and falls all over the city. Oh yeah, so creamy. <laughs> uh, oh, new name for the podcast so creamy <laughs> so creamy my only con and it's kind of like yours who uh, it's the uh, not yours oh. yours <laughs> who <laughs> me can you see him pointing at the iPad right there it's kind of like me's yeah. Evans <laughs> the, the neck the, 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 the necks in this film oh my god the intro so stupid oh. I uh the whole showing Robin dying. They give it away. Yeah, because my thought is, so a ton of the people who are going to watch this movie are comic book people. People who read comic books who already know the story. Yeah. So it kind of doesn't matter for them because they already know what's going to happen. But I still think a fair amount of people who are going to watch this are going to come from the other direction. They're going to come from watching movies or knowing them in a more broad sense and want to dip into something else. So they're not coming from comic books. They don't know that Red Hood is Robin. They don't know what happened to Jason Todd. This was my introduction to Red Hood, yes. This, like, yeah. yeah, I mean... Yeah, so to, to show that, because I think even if you are someone who knows what happens from a storytelling perspective, it would work better if you don't get that till later in the movie. I understand why they did it, because if you didn't introduce that character some way, and then halfway through the movie you find out the villain is a Robin, but you never even knew who this Robin was or what happened, it wouldn't have any impact to you. It wouldn't matter. But I think there there are better ways to do that. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but just I would have rather the movie started with the introduction of Red Hood and the criminals. See, I feel like that is so out of the blue otherwise. Like, it's a ballsy opener for that character, but like, mm. I hear what you're saying that it is sort of too upfront, but like the pacing of the movie, the way everything just flows is so good. Like, in all the scenes where you're having the flashback to what happened to him when Batman's finding out what happened, yeah, it could have been incorporated in a similar way, or just in the early ones when he's first getting the hint that maybe this is Jason Todd, he's having flashbacks, remembering meeting him for the first time and working with him. So, I think it could have been worked in there, gotcha. and then early in the movie, again, I, I haven't thought about it enough to come up with an alternative, but some kind of mentioning either with the joker i mean it could have been something with the joker i'm saying like oh is that a new robin or that's the first one or something like that where it establishes in the audience's mind that there's more than one robin and that something bad happened to one of them and then maybe even like that if it's the joker who says it that the joker is the one who did it but not in a way that completely telegraphs this villain is that robin he has to end up at raz al ghul's place anyways you know, in order to get like the full backstory. So he'd have to be led to somehow discover that that actually was Robin and probably tie in that part of the story and then also still end up at Roz's so that he got the full scoop on his resurrection. Yeah, I mean, I think all of it could be exactly the same. You just Mm -hmm. cut the intro and then, like I said, you have something there early on and I guess just like that, a conversation with the Joker because you have Nightwing there. So it could be something with the Joker and Nightwing. It's like, oh, I saw you there with uh, Nightwing. Now, who was he? He was the... F- oh, which Robin was he? I never remember. Is that the one I killed or the one I didn't? 
Some like goons that. come in and tell you about who. Right? <laughs> well, that's why it reminded me because it, it just it comes across like exposition for the audience's sake, and it's really well done. But it it, it weakens the reveal later. Well, let I me think. throw this out there though, as devil's advocate, because what it loses in mystery, it does make perfect symmetry though for the final showdown of the movie that the movies are essentially beginning and ending you know the same way you're getting i don't know i like the symmetry of that yeah flashbacks i i agree with you i do i do think that works really well maybe there's no way around that i i guess they would have to ask someone who watches this film not knowing that story beforehand whether Let's ask me 10 years ago. We'll see what I said. <laughs> yeah, we said. Well, whether it's worth, whether that symmetry, which is really neat, and I honestly never even thought about in the way you brought it up, that it's literally that same thing again with Jason Todd and Joker switched. Yeah. Like, everything yeah. about it is the same thing again, but just switched. And Batman um, is Jason's mom in that final <laughs> scene. He's <laughs> like, he can stop like, no, I'm going to turn. I'm just going to turn away. I don't want to do this. I've been taking a cut of this money, man. I'm not very concerned about this. I'm a bad person also, so I'm going to walk I know away. that you came out of me, Batman's vagina, but I'm not very worried. But I don't uh, even really know you. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, though, Ben. Like, uh, you know, because we just did Mask of the Phantasm, and part of what makes that story so impactful is how well done the reveal is and, like, yeah. the tragedy yep. of who the character is. Yep. And it makes me, like it makes me think that, oh man, what if they could have pulled that off with this story? Because then you have all this awesome stuff going on, the action, and then include that backstory and that tragedy. But the way that that works is you have a current continuity Andrea character, and so the reveal is this person who you know one way, but it's the duplicitous nature that makes that an effective twist, you know, but like, but there is no Jason now. Yeah. I don't think you can get away with it, what I'm talking about, without sacrificing what you're talking about, the symmetry of those two scenes. Yeah. But for a second, just sacrifice that. I do think there are ways you could introduce the character of Jason Todd as Robin, that he died, that that's one of Batman's biggest mistakes and biggest points of guilt. I think there there is a way you could establish that early without making it so obvious that Jason Todd is the antagonist of this movie. Yeah. And it's, it's a minor con, because I still love it, and I, I already knew the twist anyway. But even the first time I watched it, I couldn't help thinking it would have been nice to not know that. Because that moment when Bruce is reconstructing the audio, yeah. and he hears, like, it's, uh, you, whatever he says, like, your, st- your skills are still pretty good, Bruce. No, or so ha- like that. haven't lost your touch, Bruce. Yeah, you haven't lost your touch, Bruce. That thing was still, yeah, <laughs> still had weight to it, but it would have been much more so if you, as the audience member, that was also your first hint that this guy was more than just a Batman villain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I love about your con here, your whole point is that it led to this awesome discussion. So for all we know, this was like some writer's <laughs> writer's room shit that they were, you know, trying to figure out like, Oh fuck. Well, what if we push it back? Well, what if we like, yeah, but it makes the whole fucking ending, but you know, like who knows, you know, I, I, yeah, I like this whole part of the discussion. <laughs> Like, hey, actually, we're going to do less so that people think more about it in the future. <laughs> Genius. Everything I've ever done in my life, it's like, I don't want to do that much work. Not because I'm lazy, because I'm thinking about you. Yeah, because I know that people are going to dig in unnecessarily. <laughs> These fans are fucking crazy. Yeah, you'll do it all for me. Uh, so 
where you left off with the analyzing the audio, the body cam footage, all of this stuff. See, that's the perfect segue into the Batman trifecta because when we talk about the first point of the trifecta being the detective aspect of this character, I thought that all that was right on the money. You've got him enhancing the audio while the train's passing to hear because he figured he had a hunch, he had a feeling that there was something else they got cut off there, you know. I'm impressed he can even and, hear that good to think that there was even more to hear in that moment. And we, Evan is the best at hearing. We know yes. that's a lot of things including yes. hearing. We know from every Batman actor that you can't hear for shit with those fucking ears <laughs> over your head. But uh, I, I love that he did that, that he's using the body cam t- footage to analyze his, his fighting technique, and it's given him flashbacks to when they were fighting, watching a young Jason beat up these goons as Robin, you know, matching his uh, DNA from the sword or the knife that was at the uh, scene of the crime, interviewing witnesses, in this case, Roz, to get the full story. I mean, he really goes all the way, even digging up the grave. I mean, we, this is a great detective Batman, even if that's not necessarily the point of the story. Yeah. He's, he's, he has these hunches and he's not just going on the hunches. He's following mm-hmm. up on them. Especially like what you're saying with the grave that he gets out a backhoe and a workman's outfit and he digs up the grave. That's fucked up. Just, yeah. Can you imagine? The juice pops out of there. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> I mean, that could have been a whole other thing. I mean, just the weight of, you know, if you think about like a decision you have to make or a conversation that you have to have that would be tough and the anxiety you might have, the sleepless night you might have leading up to doing that. I mean, think about digging up the grave of your fallen soldier son. I mean, that shit is fucking crazy. I felt a little confused when they're explaining the body double swapping timeline thing. I was like trying to figure out when that happened between, you know, when the accident and so Joker kills Robin. They're still in Bosnia yeah. because Bruce Wayne went to Bosnia as Bruce Wayne. He believes as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. He said his ward was there with him and he died in a bombing. Uh So in the morgue or something, when they were shipping the body back, is when Roz people came in and switched the body out. Yeah, and that's and, and they they do a good job of hand waving it or lampshading it because Batman mm-hmm. says like he, he berates himself over it. He's like, if I would have just looked at the body mm-hmm. when we got back before burying him, I would have known it from the beginning. But I was so caught up in myself, he was too I hurt to do that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, in the detective category, he has that comment in regards to the whole cable cutting stuff yeah. because Jason obviously has some tech that rivals Batman's to some degree. Like the knife. Who, yeah, who has something that can even cut my cables? Yeah. I love that he's got to... brand cables. I love that he's got to put it that way too, but mm-hmm. how many knives do you know that could cut my cables? Yeah. You cocky asshole. <laughs> <laughs> the best cables. That's he's how like he made his billion dollars. They make cables. That's what Wayne Tech makes. <laughs> yeah, he's the Donald Trump of Gatling cables. The biggest... Those are like the fucking uh, cables that they use to suspend elevators and shit, you know? <laughs> That's what uh, he's flying yeah, around the city thing. with. There's a whole uh, beat in one of the comics with like a, I want to say it's with a, a Batgirl or something like that, where she's, maybe it's Batgirl year one, she's used the wrong kind of cable. Oh. And he's like, oh, I got to catch her because that cable is going to slice her arm off as oh. soon as it goes taut. Shit. The whole thing is like, these cables are strong, but they also have a certain amount of give, but not so much give. It's like, there's a lot of depth in the cable 
discussion in these Batman <laughs> <laughs> so They're it's not elevator tables because that yeah. would slice your arm off. I want to read that. Yeah, I think it's Batgirl. Batgirl and Robin, you won, maybe. Nice. It's a really good story. Okay, Ninja. Uh, he's awesome. He's yeah. so good at fighting. Fucking yeah. action sequences are top-notch in this shit. I don't know what else we need to say. Yeah, the fighting, I, the rooftop chase. Yeah. I touched it. myself whilst watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you said a minute ago... all over. Well, you you said a minute ago I was confused. I was like sexually because uh, there's it's a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> Get you pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a broad it's a broad term, but yeah. okay. And the trauma, obviously, the trauma, the weight, the the shadow of losing Jason still being present and uh, dredged up all over again. I think is. Uh, there's nothing about his parents or his personal origin other than the parallels in the two. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it very much informs this character's decisions and how seriously he's taking this case. Yeah. I appreciated the grief and his admission regarding his desire to actually kill Joker. Like, that that seems very human of him to want to give into those yeah kind of primal desires. Like, don't well, you think it's good to hear him admit it? I would well, like to kill this guy. It's like what you were talking about earlier when he's fighting Amazo, and like now he has now he doesn't have to hold back, so he can do what he's he's going to do. Yeah. And so much, so many of the Batman stories we read or watch, he doesn't kill people because that's his thing. But you sort of even though it's kind of weird because it's good that he doesn't kill people, you get that feel a little bit like, oh, but he's not as like powerful as this guy mm-hmm. or that guy or strong. But that scene kind of flips it on its head. Because it's like, it's, no, it's like I've, I spent a huge chunk of my life training with the most deadly people so I could fight. Yeah. It's like, I know how to kill people, but I'm also messed up. I think about it too. Like, yeah. I yeah. don't do it because it's hard for me. I'm, I don't, I, like, I don't you think do this never crosses my fucking mind? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just I'm never comes up? Like to do that. In that context, Batman at work beating people and not killing them is like the uh being in a customer service job and tolerating people who are horrible and being nice to them when you really just want to tell them to get the fuck out you know like that's that's our restraint in a normal daily environment that's his restraint at his job you, you still want something out of them you still want their business or their money so you're still trying to get something from them, but you can't go so far as to say, get the fuck out of here, I hate you, or whatever. No, I, th- I think it's different than that for me. It's I, I don't want anything out of them, but I want to uh, keep getting a paycheck. <laughs> That's what you want from them. Yeah. Who's going to buy that sweet Jack Nicholson uh, statue without a paycheck? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. And we are on to the rating. I simply, because of all the things we talked about that are good, and the minuscule list of cons, I have to give it the full five. Uh, I'll go five as well. I'm not comparing it to any of the other stuff because yeah. that seems kind of pointless. I'm not saying that it is Mask of the Phantasm, but it would go Mask of the Phantasm, this, and then Ninja Turtles in my top three tier. It's not the same, but I love this cartoon. Yeah, It's funny you bring up Mask of the Phantasm because that's like the high watermark for me also. Yeah. And I also think you're right not to compare them in the sense of like what your takeaway is from it, what your mm-hmm. feeling is. Yeah. So my initial thought was like a four or a four and a half. 
just because it is really good, but it doesn't. It's not quite as good as Mask of the Phantasm. But I've seen this more times, so I think that dulled my thoughts a little bit. Mm. And again, just thinking back to that last scene of Bruce and Alfred talking about putting the costume away and then flashing back to Jason Todd on his first day. Yeah. That every time still hits me really hard. So it's this is like a four and a half or a five for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's just masterful storytelling, man. E- everything about it is is thoughtful and with purpose, and it's real. It's honest shit. Pretty fundamental to what it, what Batman's about. Yeah, I think if if someone had never seen a Batman cartoon before, this would be a great place to start. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys for listening, and also thank you for your patience. We went off the air for a minute. I thought it was a little inappropriate to be talking about our dumb comic shit while uh, there's a lot more important shit going on. So obviously we were uh, doing our little part to support Black Lives Matter in our own individual ways. Uh, You can share information, donate, march, vote, whatever you got to do. And we are going to be coming back next time with another classic Joker story. It was only right since we touched on it a little bit. This is going to be Alan Moore and Brian Bolland, the legendary Killing Joke. 